One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, we got a hot podcast coming up. We're going to be the new comedians at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and Hannah is enjoying some Mariah Carey. Uh, this is the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay, and she is Hannah Hogan. We'll be riding wildfires. We'll be riding wildfires. We'll be riding wildfires. We've really been into that song, and uh, wow. We'll be riding wildfires. I'm scared to play other people's we'll songs. Because I'm afraid that I'll get uh, we'll get our our podcast ripped from us. We be riding wild, but Hannah singing it is just as beautiful, and uh, what a wonderful song! It is a great song. Wildfire, Michael Martin Murphy, I think is his name. Wow! All right. We're having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're back. Uh, Let's get right into it. We'll be riding wild. Vice to comics, know when the joke is over. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dustin. All right. You are what you are. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, we're going to start off. We're going to go right into Advice to Comics. We want to get started, get popping. Advice to Comics, we're scrambling to come up with things at this point. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could say, but we're scrambling. So we're on episode 30. We could use some advice ourselves. Yeah, but we're just going to – the point of the advice, as I've always said, is is not to be like, look at us. We're so smart. We're so wise. We're so successful. We're going to tell you how to do it. No, the point is – is that all along the way, we're learning things, and we've had help, and we want to share that. That's all. So we're going we're gonna to start with our advice for comics here. Uh, and do you want to go, Hannah? Yeah, advice for comics. I, I mean, I suggested this this time around. Um, just talking about any time you get in a club, whether you're doing a showcase or you, you get invited to host for a weekend or something like that. It seems uh, obvious, but I don't think that it is to everybody. Uh, always do your best whenever you're at a club. Always sh- like showcase your best stuff, you know, because the club's always watching and you could get a gig out of it. Yeah, even if you show up to the club and you were excited, you were like, oh, I'm at the club. This is going to be my big night. And you get there and there's 15 people in the audience. 
because a lot of times you can be excited and then you show up, there's no one in the crowd and you get really disappointed and you think, oh no, um, this is a bummer. Yeah, and even if everybody else, including the club management or other people on the show, don't seem to be taking it seriously or, you know, doing their best jokes or really hitting the stage with energy, it's still your job to go up there and do your best. Right, because you could surprise, if you get all those 15 people really rolling, and, and a lot of times, even uh, the staff will have some say so. You know, the staff's not calling the manager being like, hey, I got a list of comics for you to book. But, if the if the staff was like, man, we really like that comic, we really liked him, then, then that might be something to consider for the the booker for hosting or featuring. So yeah, and I worked with comedian Bob Marley this weekend, and comedian Bob Marley uh, is fairly clean. Uh, he's a bit of an old school guy, but he's fairly clean, and he has twenty five albums. Uh, he's what? Yeah, he said he's made. Now he he even said he's like you know I do a lot of stuff in the Northwest. Or the Northeast. And he said that, um, you know, I would put out an album like every year. And he said, you know, about half of it would be stuff, uh, you know, it'd be a mix of current events and stuff happening in the Northeast. So he said, you know, I had distribution set up in stores all over the Northeast. And he's like, I was making a ton of money just selling my CDs in stores and stuff. So was he like the original Louis C.K. to have an hour every year? Maybe. But, yeah, I mean, he was just pumping it out to these people, and he said he was making tons of money way back, even before people were making money off satellite radio. He was making money off his distribution, and um, so he, he His just, distribution of what? His CDs. Oh. He would put out a new CD every year. They would put it in gas stations, truck stops. He had stores all over the place that he would sell them to. Oh. And so he was making – he was talking about making tons of money that way. He's a real independent contractor yes. a comedian. Yeah, and that's what you can be. I mean, everybody thinks that with comedy, it's fame or nothing. And that's not true. I mean, for the last four years, um, I've just been working the roads, selling CDs, making money here and there, and I made quite a good living uh, without being famous. There's money to be made. Entrepreneurship. Free market capitalism. You yeah. know what I mean? The stuff that people – when people think capitalism, they always think rich corporations, evil people. But small, small level yeah. free market capitalism is a great time. And Revenue. you've diversified your income because you're not just making money straight up off of stand-up comedy shows. You're making money off of your merch. Yeah. You're making money off of selling uh, your jokes to radio stations. Uh, yeah. You know, you're – I guess that is technically stand up, but I mean you're 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 making money in different ways. Yeah, exactly, and that's what you want: multiple streams of income. Yeah, that's what the wealthy people always have: multiple streams of income. You know. Yeah. So, you know, there's ways you can do it. There's lots of ways you can do things. You know, without having to do a GoFundMe, without having to get other people to just give you money, you sell your work. You know. Yeah. I saw someone recently that was doing a GoFundMe, and part of one of the things on the GoFundMe was that if you give this amount of money, I'll do a show for you. And it's like, that's what getting booked is. You know, I mean, just, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't disparage that. I don't, because you're saying, hey, for this amount of money, I'll do a show for you. It just looks bad when it's in a GoFundMe. You should just say, hey, I'm accepting bookings right now you know uh-huh. you know what i mean and mm-hmm. uh, but whatever works i mean everybody's all trying to make money i just hate when a gofundme is disguised as, as something else you know it's like we're all trying to make money so if you can make money off that great 
but you know, I just hate when it's kind of disguised as uh, you know funding some project. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I've recorded albums and printed them, and you know, I always pay for it with my own money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not like this money magically came from somewhere. You know, you got to work. You got to get. You got to dig in there. You got to get in. in and all right, and uh, gotta cut that track off. Story time with Dusty and Hannah. But Bob Marley was telling me that he used to work, uh, I think it was the comedy store, way back when Richard Pryor was still alive. And he said Richard Pryor was just developing like MS, so he would come out on crutches. But he would go up, and then I think it was like him, Arsenio Hall, and some other famous comedian at the time. I don't remember that that person's name. Robin Williams? No, but was someone that was recognizable. And he said he was on that lineup of four and he could not figure it out. He's like, I could not figure out why I was on this lineup. And they said, uh, eventually he found out that he was kind of the cooler in between, like Richard Pryor would go up and crush and they needed someone in between Richard Pryor and Arsenio Hall to just kind of slow it down. Mm. So Arsenio Hall didn't have to follow Richard Pryor or vice versa, you know? Mm. So, but I think that ties into this. I mean, even though Bob Marley was being used as a guy to cool the room down, he was like, I figured it out. And he's like, eventually I was killing too, you know? He's like, I figured out how to do well in that situation. And it looks good for you. And Bob Marley, even though a lot of people don't know him, uh, a lot of people do, and he's still working. He sold out two shows on Saturday in Tempe, Arizona, way away from the Northeast, you know? The rest of his shows had a lot of people, too, but he sold out, too, on Saturday. That's big. I'd love to be the cooler between two stars. I mean, that's a compliment to me. I mean, if you get totally. sandwiched in between two talents like that, I mean, yeah, maybe you're not in there to crush the house, but you're definitely there to keep the house going. Yeah, totally. You don't want someone up there. No one wants someone to bomb. Yeah. That's cool. That's interesting. So that is our – so I guess in short, the advice is always do well. I mean always plan <laughs> to do well. Don't go out there. Don't don't ever uh, – what do they call it? Um, Sabotage? Well, no, I guess – but uh, what's that word? Uh, phone it in. Mm. Don't phone it in. There's no need to phone it in. Mm. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes, you know, Sunday, I did six shows this weekend. By Sunday, I was pretty tired. I was in Arizona. I didn't have a car because I flew out there and I was a little bored. And by Sunday, I was just, I was really tired and I didn't necessarily want to do the show. But once I got there, got up on stage, I was like, having a good time. Just think, if you don't have the energy before a show, you know you're going to feel energized after the show. So you might as well make that show good. Yeah, and even just walking onto the stage will give me some energy. Yeah. You know, it makes me, you know, just the the energy before. I mean, because Saturday, you know, you go from two sold-out shows on Saturday where it's unbelievable to, you know, a half-filled room on Sunday full of, uh, you know, people who go to Sunday shows. That reminds me of my weekend. Maybe we can go into where we've been. All right, so now where we've been, where we're going. Where they going? Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going, where we've been. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> 
where we've been, where we're going. We've been some places. Dusty, uh-huh. you were just saying you were in Arizona. I was. I was in Tempe, Arizona this weekend. I worked the uh, Tempe Improv. Wonderful place. It really was. The st- I was featuring for Bob Marley. The staff was awesome. Um, everybody on the staff was very, very cool. The host uh, was a lady named Jill Kimmel, uh, who is actually the sister to Jimmy Kimmel. Wow. Uh, which was a nice surprise. But, you know, beyond that, uh, she was very funny. You know, it's like she could... J- you know, she could have easily not been Jimmy Kimmel's sister and still been like, been very impressed that it was a, a really funny person being the host. I mean, because so often I go places where the host is either non-existent or awful. Which clubs? Name names. <laughs> I'm not saying. Tell me who they were. I'm not saying, but you know them. And, uh, <laughs> and no, it's like, it's it's not even that the hosts sometimes are bad, like because they lack the ability. It's because they, for some reason they they want to make it their show, or they're 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 almost like angry at the crowd, and it's just like she just went out there, did her thing, and uh, was very funny. Brought me right up to good energy. I had a great time. I got to roll on through, and then Bob got to come up to a hot crowd. I heard you crushed. I mean, but- you told me that, but. well it's true i did awesome that's awesome yeah i like uh when you give me reports that you sell a lot of merch i did sell a lot of merch i mean i I, this is my first time i got bought a big bag that i could travel with and i could check my bag and uh which because i have american airlines and i have a credit card with them now uh, i get one free bag check for free so now it doesn't even cost me to take the the merch and then I just, yeah, I got to sell stuff. And, uh, I mean, nothing quite makes you feel good after a show like a bunch of people buying your stuff yeah. because it says, oh, we really enjoyed you. And sometimes you can think you didn't have a good show, but then a bunch of people buy your stuff and it somehow makes up for it in yeah. a little bit. You still know how you did, but you, you sort of feel like, well, you know what? I gave them a good show and I'm happy for it. But it's like even the Sunday show, uh, I felt like I didn't do as well. Um, I heard about that. And then, uh, but I got more emails from people. People put down emails, um, you know, to see me again Mm -hmm. after that show. So it's like, you know, some people, you know, you're the Sunday crowd. You might be low energy. You're like, hey, we're not into the Saturday night loud laughing crowd. We're we're a reserved people. We're having a good time. Yeah. But we're not. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it was fun. That's great. That's great. Very good. I mean, I love the staff there. Everybody at uh, the Tempe Improv was great. They, they they really were. It was it was it was really nice. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since I've really been working the improvs. I used to do the improvs, the Funny Bones, a lot back in the day, and it's been a long time. And I really forgot how well those clubs are ran, how nice the people are. And yeah, you were telling me because you were pretty much kicking it in. I'm not going to say B and C rooms, but you weren't in improvs and Funny Bones as much in the last two years as you. As yeah. you had been. Right. So now when you return to them seasoned, uh, yeah. you're really kicking it up. Oh, yeah. I'm much better now than I was back then. That's always the goal, right? You're it always is. trying to be better than you were before. But it's just, you know, also it's just a, a comfortability on stage, you know, that because um, I've done so many shows now, mm-hmm. I'm not like I want to do well every show, but the pressure is not on. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm going, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. The first few times I'm doing Funny Bones, I'm like, this is my big break, you know? Well, what a transition personally to be able to 
you know, have yourself set in a mindset where you're like, I'm good at this. I can do this. There's no reason for me to doubt that I will go on this stage and embarrass myself. Like, you know, there comes a point where everybody else trusts you and believes in you. And you kind of slowly start to allow yourself to think that way too. And then, and then it becomes sort of a polishing of what it is you're trying to do up there. Right. Yeah. Especially featuring, I mean, headlining, uh, you know, I'm still, you know, the last year I've been headlining a lot, but it's still, um, still a learning process with that, but featuring, I feel like I'm, 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 you know, it's almost a sure bet with featuring, you know, yeah. like I don't have any fear with featuring whatsoever. That's and, incredible. And I, um, yeah, I mean, what's nice is I have so many jokes now that I'm, I was trying new jokes on Sunday and I was like, not new, but relatively new. And I was like, okay, the energy is a little low. So I slipped in an old joke and uh, got huge laughs off the old joke. So it's like, that's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that anytime you can just dip back into some jokes. Now, once in a while, I find myself in a show where things aren't hitting no matter what. And when that happens, what are you going to, like when I was doing the Tonight Show set, like I would start my set with that five minutes. I'd be headlining 45, 50 minutes. And then I would start my set with five minutes that I was practicing for the Tonight Show. So it was like, so I opened the set up just bang, bang, bang. And then like, I found myself like the rest of the set trying to do as well. And it was just, it was a bit of a struggle. It's a struggle to do 45 minutes knowing that the first five may be your best. But that's what it, that's kind of what it feels like when you are working on new material or when you're doing something different outside of the normal parameters of a set. Yes. You know, you're stretching yourself, you're going heavy at the top, you're, you're tinkering with things, you're changing the order. I mean, that's going to have an effect on your performance when you start to really kind of tinker with it. And I think that that's inevitable and unavoidable for a good comic. And I will say though, that, you know, since you've had this great, this great year, you know, since you were on Fallon and Kimmel and just for laughs, whenever you call me after your show and you're like, Oh God, like maybe not that you bomb, but if you have a bad show or a show you don't like, which doesn't happen a lot, but it's maybe happened like three times this fall. It always makes me feel kind of good that you can have these heights that you've had, but then you know, still just be a regular comic where it's like, they're just not your audience one night. Yeah. Know? Sometimes people don't like me. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's like no accolades save you from the stage, I mean, those, you know, whatever those weirdos are all about, but yeah, once in a while, but you have so many different kinds of gigs and different situations where it's, I mean, of course you're going to be challenged, you know, and, and you, there's still a lot of room for growth and stuff. So it's actually helped me out on the road when I'm struggling or if I've had a rough set or a rough feature set or something like that. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I've had like so many good shows in a row. And then I have this thing where it makes me feel like I've regressed. And then I just think, you know what? Like Dusty was just telling me a month ago that he had a rough set and that's just part of it. And you can't let it bring you down or convince you that this, this set is the truth. You know, this set is really how good of a comic you are. You know, yeah, I mean, there's that old saying in restaurants that they say you're only as good as the last meal you serve. And it's like to a degree, I believe that. But it's also like, you know what? Sometimes you mess up a meal. Yeah. It doesn't mean that your restaurant is falling into the pits because you served one bad meal, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that in terms of stand up, you're as good as your average good show. Like as, as, as good as you do on average, that's as good as you are. It's not like the heights of when you crush that one time and it was like blowing your mind or the lows of when you bombed and were, you know, ran out of the building afterwards. It's, it's more so like the average of like, how good do you usually do? What is your consistent performance level? And then like, that's as good as you are. Yeah. That's I what mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, if the if you're featuring for a weekend and it's your ideal audience, now I, you know, and 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 you bomb all weekend, then, well, maybe with comedy you could say you're only as good as your last weekend, because I've had some weekends. You know, this is some older weekends, but where I struggled, you know, like years ago, featuring all weekend for Aerie Spears, I worked with Aerie Spears a few times, and I would. You do a two man show and I would be the host and the feature only getting the feature pay. And, um, I would struggle. And, but I mean, I think that, and I, I would always be, Oh, this crowd is hard. I need a, I need a host. But in reality, I mean, that was as good as I was, you know, I was yeah. having better sets, but I needed to step it up. And, uh, I hope that I'm not in those situations ever again anymore, but, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you will open for someone and you, you know, just, just recently I was featuring for John Lovitz and I was the host and the feature and, uh, I did quite well. All right. Well, that's where you've been, right? We're yep. still doing that. So I'll tell you where I was. Yeah. I was in Indianapolis and in crackers. It was an interesting weekend for you, for me and you, but for me, yeah. uh, if you listen to last week's episode, I uh, ran into a deer and I don't know if we explained it. In the podcast, I think we did. I totaled my car. Yeah. My car is a write-off. Uh, so I don't have a car anymore, and I needed a way to get up to Crackers. Um, and Ruthann, who owns Crackers, was kind enough to let me bring um, another comic to get me up there, and then they were going to do time. So that's what we did. I brought my friend Courtney Warner, comedian from Nashville, and we had a great time. Courtney uh, did time on every show. And, um, I featured and I worked with this uh, gentleman named Dan Gruder and he was really funny and, um, and that's what we did. And that was, that was pretty cool. So I shared a hotel room with her. Um, so kind of changed my normal vibe of being alone on the road and stuff. So that was cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess that's all to really say I've, I've gone to crackers a few times this year. So it's kind of like, I'm just reporting the same kind of shows, but, um, the way that it's worked for me recently in crackers is lighter audiences the first couple nights. And then by the time you get to Saturday, it's like two pretty much sold out shows. So it's a real kind of climb to the best shows. So it's sort of a slow warm up with smaller audiences and then increasingly bigger. So mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so that was fun. Well, I've been to crackers a bunch. I haven't been in a long time. I miss it. I miss Indianapolis. I've a lot of people there Yeah, that I like that come to my shows. Yeah. Miss seeing them. It's a great club. I like, it's a really good place to tape videos and it's nice and it's renovated and it's really nice. So that's where I was. Um, and that's where you were. All right. And where we're going this weekend, we have Thanksgiving. So we're just going to go to Alabama to see my family. Yeah. And, uh, but tonight, uh, we have a show at Zany's, uh, Dusty Slay's grand old comedy show. Uh, Hannah will be on it. Yeah. Ben, I'm on it. Ben and Ray will be on it and Chris Killian will be on it. And it's going to be a fun time. Uh, we have a lot of pre-sales, and I've gotten gotten some articles written. I got a nice article written about me in the Nashville scene, as well as the Tennessean. Uh, 
So that's fun. You've gotten other articles written by your hometown in Opelika. Yes, the uh, Opelika Observer wrote yeah. about me. And they're writing about you because you um, it was announced that you got a development deal. Development deal with ABC. ABC. That was in deadline. Yeah. I got the Holy City Center wrote yeah. a thing about me, the Charleston Scene, the Charleston Did City they? Paper. Yeah. I didn't I don't share all of it. I mean, I'm your wife, but I'm not about to be sharing all these articles. Well, they yeah, they wrote about it and that's nice. Um so I'm I'm excited to have it. I yeah. mean, my my I'm excited for you too. I mean, it's really kind of cool to watch someone just blow up in front of you. Well, well, let's hope that's what it is. Well, something's and, uh, happening. We're having a, I'm having a good time. I, I got, mean, I mean it's early. It's not early. It's 11, but <laughs> we slept till, you know, 10. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're Still, still morning for us. Yeah. We have uh, an electric blanket on the bed and we turn the heat down at night so that it gets a little cool in here. And then we cut that electric blanket on and it's very warm. Yeah. Very comforting. It's like a little nest. We're married too, just in case you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Why are these podcasts hosts sleeping together? Yeah, we're married. We're married. We get along. I said, boom, on the road. All right, so where where are all right? So that's it. That's we're going to we're, Alabama. We're going to visit your family, and we're going to visit all of your family. So it's going to be a long weekend in AL. Yes, and yeah, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and that's a big holiday for me. Uh, I enjoy it. My family, the Slay family, my dad's side of the family, really gets together, throws a big Thanksgiving uh, at my cousin Pam's house. All my all my first cousins are you know my parents' age. Uh, because my dad's way younger than the rest of his siblings. And so uh, I go to my first cousin, Pam's house, and uh, and they'll have a quite, quite the dinner. It's at- it's the – now, I come from a large fam- farm family, from both sides of my family. My mom has several brothers and sisters. My dad has several brothers. I have a lot of cousins. So when I was growing up, we had large family holidays as well, Thanksgiving, and Christmas was the main one. And so I'm used to big smorgasbords of, of food and, and eating around and that kind of thing. But this Thanksgiving at Dusty's family's house is the largest gathering – of a potluck lunch that I have ever seen. It is huge. There is probably, would you say there's a hundred people there? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There'd be at least a hundred people in a house. It's a, a nice bungalow. And, but I mean, people from all over the County come to this a thing. Bungalow is, but... A bungalow is like a first floor house. Oh, okay. Like it makes, I'm making it sound like it's not big, but it it is big, but it's not like a, huge mansion. You know what I mean? It's not like the mayor's house. It's a moderate house. It's a nice house. And, and, but, but it amazes me the amount of food that they splay out in this place. I mean, so many different dishes and they have, Oh, they sweet potato. What is it? Sweet. Yeah. They get, it's been, it's been going for many years. I mean, when I was a little kid, it used to be at my aunt Kat's house and, um, she would have the Thanksgiving there. And then after she stopped doing it, my dad picked it up and he started doing it for years and years. Uh, and then he stopped and then the Thanksgiving was gone for a while. I don't, I don't, I think the families, you know, as, as the, the cousins were getting older, they were having kids and they were having kids. So everybody had their own little factions. So this is kind of all of my uncle Buster's, uh, family, my dad's brother, uncle Buster. This is all his kids are having this there, but they, they live in the same town as my dad. So we go. Yeah. Dusty's dad has a brother named Buster. Yeah. Because. 
if not for my dad's brothers and sister's kids, you know, my dad wouldn't have a Thanksgiving because he would be reliant on me and my little sister to throw the Thanksgiving. So, But people come around from Florida. They come from Mississippi. They come from everywhere. Yeah, it's big time. Tennessee. It's big time. It's really incredible. It's, it's a lot of fun. I have a very... Uh, so many desserts. I mean, every kind very of Very nice family. I'm the only... Get that banana pudding. I'm mm. the only... Get some of that banana pudding now. Because this is not my, this is not my mom's side of the family. Now, not, no discredit to my mom. I mean, I like uh, my mom's side of the family too, but you know, my, you know, I grew up with my mom. We grew up in a trailer. My mom doesn't live in a trailer anymore, but that's, that's where all that comes from. My dad's side of the family, they're, they're, they're different. You know, they're, they're, uh, there might be some poor people in there too. I've never been to most of their houses, so I don't know where they live, but. They're country folk. They're country folk, but I'm the only one with long hair and a trucker hat, and there's the point. Yeah, and a Canadian wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've really, uh, really stepped out. They must I mean? think you think you're so fancy. <laughs> I've really stepped out. So that's where we're going. We're going to Thanksgiving, and we hope you all have good Thanksgivings, too. Yeah, Thanksgiving's great. I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, there, this is not a big I, – what I like to do is eat some turkey, sit down, watch some football. I think that's a fun time, but since I don't – get to see this uh, family that often. I normally don't sit around and watch football while I'm there. It's I'd get to socialize. And, you know, because now I have this ABC development deal that came out uh, right before Thanksgiving, hopefully that'll make me very popular. And uh, we can overlook the hair this Thanksgiving and uh, get into the exciting stuff. Yeah, and I'm hoping I don't run into too many of your cousins who follow me on Instagram and think that I'm a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it might be unavoidable. Yeah, you do that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing that matters is my husband still loves me. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. So now on the road again, uh, we got got a couple of adventures, I guess, uh, while I was out there. You know, I flew out to uh, Tempe, Arizona. I flew out there and then I got into an Uber and then I took uh, a ride to my hotel, which was the Moxie is what they call it. And it's a very hipster hotel. Uh, had uh, in my room was a a big ball. It's called a love sack, and apparently that's just the name brand of the chair. Very comfortable chair, but it's cloth. And so I thought, hmm, I wonder how often they clean this. So I didn't hang out in the in the love sack that much. But the hotel itself was very cool, very not normal, very hipsterish. They had records and arcade games and pool tables down in the lobby, and then the rooms had internet TV and. Just everything that you could need in a room. And uh, I loved it. And I rode uh, the the ASU is on uh, the in Tempe, Arizona, Arizona State University. So there is like a scooter apocalypse down there. Those scooters are everywhere. As I was walking down the sidewalk, people would just zip by me on scooters. I had bicycles and scooters. I saw two unicycles while I was there. And they're everywhere. Everything is just happening. And I was making fun of the scooters, even though I've been on them a couple of times. But I went to walk. I went to take this walk. I was going to walk to this cigar store, uh, which was an hour walk. And I was like, you know what? It's a nice day. I'm going to do the walk. I walked for about 20 minutes. And then I was like, it seemed like I was kind of in a sketchy area. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, I saw a scooter. I pulled out my phone, scanned it, got on the scooter, took off. Turned that 45-minute ride into an easy 15-minute uh, ride. 
Yeah, I mean, these scooters have proved to be very successful, and uh, society has really accepted them with open arms. They're all over in every city. I saw them in Indy. They're in Nashville. Yeah. You know, I mean, why walk when you can get somewhere in half the time and and half the sweat? I sat and talked to a guy named Lou in the cigar shop for a long time. We had a good time. We watched the NFL Red Zone. He's from uh, um, Minnesota. Okay. We had a good time in there. Okay. So that seems like a little off topic from the scooter. He's brought up Lou. Well, I just, I remember hanging out with him and talking to him for a while. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah. I like when you get into cigar stores and you just talk to men that are twice your age and you seem to really fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like a, you know, like I I speak the old man language, right? You know, he came into the the room that I was in. I was in there alone and he was looking at the TV and I was like, I couldn't figure out how to make the TV work. If you can make it work, then, then it'll be, you know, so he made it work. And, uh, so you know, I can't figure out a lot of technology. Well, I always like to say you are a 70-year-old man stuck in a 35-year-old man's body. Yeah, that's about accurate. Yeah. They're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Yeah! That's fun, Dusty. Okay. So, uh, scooters and Lou in Arizona. That's fun. Yep. Uh, I have a bit of a story, a little side note as well for my weekend. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I told my car last Sunday, I ran into a deer. Wasn't my fault. I'm okay, but I don't have a car. And Courtney, uh, Warner was kind enough to drive me to Indianapolis. So we hung out all weekend. And then, uh, on Friday, uh, we thought, okay, let's go to the mall. So we went to the mall in Indianapolis And we hung out in the mall for a couple hours. We kicked it in Sephora and spent too much money on makeup. And we got some food at the food court and we had a good time. And we walked out to the parking lot to go back to our hotel. And she couldn't find her car key. Her car key had fallen off her keychain. All the other keys were there, but her physical car key is gone. So she drops her bag on the, on the, cement and she's looking for it and I'm standing there like, Oh no, you know, and she can't find it. So we go back in the mall, we retrace our steps. We go into Sephora. They don't have a car key. We kind of walk around to some other stores. We were at. no one had found a car key. So at this point we start panicking because she doesn't have a car key. She doesn't have a spare except for in Nashville. And we have a whole weekend ahead of us where we need a car to drive back and forth from gigs and to get back to Nashville. So I'm trying to stay calm, but she's kind of freaking out. And I casually mentioned that I've cursed her because I have the curse of bad car luck. Um, but then as we were on the escalator, we ran into a uh, gentleman mall cop and we expressed to him our problem. And he said, oh, well, a fob has been reported outside of uh, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. And we're like, oh, my gosh, that must be our car. That must be our car. And we start freaking out. And we're like, where do we go? Where do we go? And he's like, why don't you go over there to Saks Fifth Avenue and ask for the AP office? And we're like, okay. So we walk across the mall, go to Saks Fifth Avenue. And they had her car key. They wow. had it. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine that. I mean, finding a car a key in a mall is like finding a needle in a haystack. But we found it. We avoided just extreme frustration. And we got a car key. We got back in the car. And our weekend carried on. But we really were cool under pressure. The only thing that could make that story better is that if when you found that fob, it was a different car. And you took it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'd be fiction. <laughs> well, but that'd well, that's be- great. 
Yeah. And I mean, it, it's a little underwhelming because everything worked out. Like if everything didn't work out, that would be my whole it's story. It's still pretty podcast. scary to lose a key. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, but, I was just thinking, dang, like, you know, this girl comes up with me to help me drive around and then she, you know, loses her car basically. I mean, yeah. what is my luck going on right now? But, uh, everything was fine. Oh, I, stayed, forgot. I stayed cool under pressure. Yes. I didn't freak out and I didn't let her freak out. I just kept it calm and I said, don't worry. Everything's going to work out, baby girl. Everything's everything going to be out. all right. We'll be riding wild. Okay. Okay. All right. So what about food on the road? I mean, I didn't really eat too much fun. We ate uh, noodles and company twice in I, Indianapolis. The last day I was there, I was on Sunday. I was riding a little scooter, was hoping to get some food, and I saw a guy, uh, older uh, Hispanic gentleman, out there with a uh, with a, uh, a like the kind of like card over his body, pointing to a, a burrito restaurant. And I asked him, "Was it good?" He said it was. So I went over to this place called Burrito Express. And they had burritos where they put potatoes in there, which I had never heard of. And this burrito was delicious, and I loved it. Mm. Um, a starch burrito. If you're in Arizona, I uh, recommend getting Mexican food. It's delicious. Yeah. And then I also went to a place called The Chuck Box, which I was just walking by. And this place, you, you go and you line – it's a hamburger place. You go and you line up, and as you're in line – the guy, his name is Big Juan, uh, the Big Juan. They sell T-shirts. I tried to buy you one, but they didn't have a size for you. And then I felt the T-shirts, and the T-shirts are very cheap. And I was like, nah, I don't want to buy these. Not for my wife. Yeah, I don't want to buy Only the highest quality of fabric for well, my wife. Well, it just, you know, there's like that T-shirt quality where it's like it, it feels like it's part cardboard, mm. you know? And I was like, nah, no one's going to wear that. Yeah, it feels like a chalk. Yeah, chalk so I said, let's skip that. But – it was it was very good. So the guy, so Big Juan yells at you. You know, he's like, uh, "What are you having?" And it's like you have to yell across many people to tell him what you want. And uh, and then he just keeps lining up these things on the grill. And uh, it was a delicious hamburger. That's great. I loved it, and uh, it was a fun experience. It was an old building. Mm. And sounds like you had a lot of really special moments this weekend. Well, I was alone. So it seems like, you know, when you're when you're just alone and sad, things uh, seem special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's when you appreciate a good slab of meat. Yeah. But I had I had lots of food while I was there because I, I didn't I wasn't, you know, when I drive, I get to take my own little cooking kit in my car. And now that I'm not driving, I have to Are you still doing that? Uh well, I haven't had that kind of I haven't had that kind of hotel. Because actually, Courtney while. brought it up to me this weekend. How you bring a like a fryer or a yeah, I haven't a done hot it. plate. And I said, I don't know if he still does that. Actually. I haven't done it. In a, well, the reason that I started doing that was in 2015. I was working these funny bones, and you you would go in on Wednesday, and you wouldn't leave until Monday. So if you take you know a little cooker and you have a fridge in the room, then you can just go to the grocery store. And just cook for yourself and treat it like home instead of like eating out every day. Yeah. Which is, I don't like eating out every day. I don't like eating out every meal. But it's like when you don't have a fridge or a way to cook, there's no, there's really no options. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I do know what you mean. I live that life right now. So you do get sick at takeout. Yeah, it's, it's not a, as fun as it was when you were like 20 and you're like, let's get McDonald's. Yeah, especially when you're staying on a college campus because I feel like so much of the food on a college campus is bad. Let's do this. Let's talk about uh, movies 
And then I want to talk about some of your favorite Thanksgiving foods. Great Scott. For the first time, uh, uh, well, first I want to say this. I see a lot of previews for movies now. Always these previews of movies and TV shows where they talk about, they're like, the earth is being destroyed. And we've discovered that what's killing the earth is us. It's us humans. If we get rid of the humans, the earth can live. And I'm just going to be honest. Who cares, right? If the earth is not going to, if, if, if the earth living means the humans die, then what, what are we, what are we worried about? I mean, what's the concern? I think that we just ride this thing on down, right? I mean, like, I don't know. It just kills me that they keep making these movies like this. And then, and then you go, Oh, oh. And then we, we all start thinking that's true. Us just disgusting humans out here. If we weren't around, the world would be fine. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But we wouldn't know if the world was fine or not because we wouldn't be here. Yeah, we're we're cursed with our consciousness. Yeah, I prefer to be here. And if it's the earth is dying slowly, so be it. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying A casual acceptance of the apocalypse. No, I'm not saying let's add extra pollution. I'm all about not throwing my cans into the ocean. And I don't want straws stuck in turtles no- noses. I mean, I'm all about trying to protect, trying to preserve, trying to save. But I'm just tired of these movies where it's almost like the justification for killing people, like depopulation so we don't destroy the earth. It's like, well, if humans are what's killing the earth and humans aren't around anymore, the earth lives, but we are dead. Now, who did that help? Are we are we so selfless? We're so selfless that we're just, oh, I just will give my life for the earth. I will give, I will surrender my own life. I think the idea is if the the earth earth dies, we die. I don't think the earth stays living and we're all dead. Right. If the earth dies, we die. Right. But if we die to save the earth, we still die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, luckily the machines will be alive and they can take it. (laughs) Right. The machines, they'll save the earth. So they probably will. They won't. And. It's none of that's real. It's all it's all stupid. And uh, so the, my, it's just frustrating to me. On a lighter note, we watched for the first time. I've seen it several times. But Hannah, last night for the first time, watched the one and only, the great Roadhouse. Oh, my gosh. I loved Roadhouse. It was so fun. It's everything you want in a movie, which is just 1980s melancholy nostalgia. It was beautiful. Patrick Swayze in fine form. Okay. And it he is, is a rancid bouncer. Come to clean up a, a, a rough bar called the Double Deuce. It is the perfect man movie with enough of Patrick Swayze shirtless to appease any woman that goes with it's, him. It's I mean you said that last night this is the perfect man movie. This is a movie for women. This is a movie to watch a troubled handsome blonde man with the body of yeah. a tai chi I fitness. I mean let's let's run through it. I mean early in the movie you've got, you know, you got fights. You got a fight right away. And then you got, you know, you got boob shots and then here comes Patrick and then you got the Jeff Healy band, the blind blues player. And then here comes Patrick Swayze. 
He comes in to clean up this bar. You get some early sex scenes. You get a guy, you know, he's having sex with a chick in the back of the bar. I mean, it gets fired for it, but. Yeah, you know what? You know how when you watch sex scenes, like with a family member, it's uncomfortable? Well, I was watching sex scenes with my husband and I felt uncomfortable. I was like, what? Oh, I didn't feel it. Are we supposed to be making out right now? Because this is what this is making me feel like. Oh, well, good. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you get that. And then, and then. It's I, very graphic. Just, just, you know, and then you have like, you know, the fights, it, it's such a balance. It's like just when you think, all right, this is as manly as it can get. Then here comes a monster truck. And then, you know, now a knife fight. Well, my favorite part about it was it was set in like Oklahoma or something, right? right. It's some mid middle of the country, small oh, town. Oh, he said uh, Kansas City, I think right yeah. outside of Missouri. Yeah, in Missouri probably. Yeah, and like all of the characters in the movie looks like just rich Midwestern people. Like it, it didn't look like your typical eighties villain or bouncers that are really good looking and tanned. It was like the bouncers in this movie were 40 year old dudes with high waisted tight jeans and belts. Right. And then they have these eighties haircuts and mustaches. And you're like, this is the world my dad lived in. Yeah. So then, you know, then you got, you get knife fights and then you get, uh, you know, at the t- Patrick Swayze has a pretty nice, you know, I think Mercedes, uh, sports car. I mean, it doesn't seem as nice now because it's set in the eighties, but it's a pretty nice car. And then Patrick Swayze's beating up people. You got a guy that comes into a bar with a knife on his boot. You got, you got the, the hot, um, the lady that's dates the rich tycoon of the city. She strips at one point. Then the monster truck comes back in and crashes a car lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go, let's rewind it back. There is a scene where Patrick Swayze's nemesis comes into his bar and basically fronts him. You know, challenges him. And the way he challenges him is he gets his woman to go up on stage and do a striptease to seduce Patrick Swayze, but he rebuffs her and gets her off the stage. But that striptease goes for about four minutes. It's a, it's a long striptease. And it's, and then he kind of kicks her out and she's like, huh. And then the, the, the nemesis kind of walks away. Like, I'll get you next time. Like that was your way of getting to Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Why was by like, putting his woman into like a strip dance it was so but see, peculiar but see he wasn't really into i mean he had that woman but he was really into the woman that patrick swayze was with right the doctor the the patrick swayze's love interest was a doctor and his positioning he lived right across the lake from his arch nemesis Wesley. It was almost Brad like, Wesley. It was almost like someone wrote the story. Yeah, and, because uh, it was so. But but perfectly. one 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 scene. There's Patrick Swayze sitting out on the roof uh, of the lean to shed that's attached to the barn that he lives in. <laughs> <laughs> and they just started and they're making having love. Yeah. on the roof of the barn. And while Brad Wesley, the enemy who who has a secret crush on the girl, is smoking a cigar while. Watching them, and but you know it's cool because because Patrick Swayze had sort of eavesdropped on an orgy a week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Across the lake yeah. a week before, and then uh, and then you have you know well you have like evil Patrick Swayze. That's uh, Brad Wesley's bodyguard. He almost looks exactly like Patrick Swayze, but like a darker. Like he's got dark hair and he's evil and he has a little chain earring. And uh, Patrick Swayze was such a talented person because who else could pull off a role? And it's questionable whether he pulled it off, but who else could 
successfully carry a movie where he is at at once the the heartthrob, the love interest, but then also this Jet Li figure just yeah. knocking dudes Doing out. Doing a lot of Tai Chi out there. So Oh yeah. And the then big, he's also troubled, you the know, big, he's got a backstory. Well he's what, killed it. He's he's the story is he that killed someone in, in Memphis. With, in Memphis, yeah, he ripped out the throat of another guy. <laughs> And and hold this, hold that. Don't give away the. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he ripped out a throat of another guy in Memphis because that guy, because Patrick Swayze was dating a girl. That girl ended up being married. Her husband came, pulled a gun on Patrick Swayze. He ripped out his throat. And his right? his title the whole time is bouncer. Like this is a this is a movie about bouncers cleaning up bars. Yeah, he's the cooler. They call him the cooler. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but he's, he's a, a legend. Bouncer. He's a legendary bouncer. Like the other people in the bar are like, that's Dalton. Everybody knew him when he came in. Right. They're like, you mean the- I know who you are. It's Dalton. It's Dalton. The bouncer? You know. <laughs> I would have thought you'd be bigger than that. I've been reading Bouncer Weekly and I see <laughs> Dalton's in there every week. And then the other legend bouncer shows up. Mm, Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliot. I, I said it out loud. I said, I am attracted to Sam Elliott. That man is handsome. He is a good looking dude. And I know him from Tombstone. Yeah. I know him from various cowboy movies. I had not seen Sam Elliott with his late eighties uh silver gray long hair. Right. Damn. And then, and then, so, yeah, so when you look good, it's just, it's a classic form of this movie. When you think that the movie is not manly enough, here comes (sighs) Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's the only guy that could buddy comedy with Patrick Swayze and just boom. Right. Rock him off his rocker. So then at the end, towards the end of the movie, not even the final scene, towards the end of the movie, Patrick Swayze fights evil Patrick Swayze. Uh, they fight. Out, like the guy blows up his the barn that he's living in. The guy uh, he blows up his house, and then he goes riding away on a dirt bike. And Patrick Swayze runs, leaps, and tackles him off the dirt bike. And then they start fighting. And then Patrick Swayze's really winning. And then all of a sudden, evil Patrick Swayze starts winning. And then he says, "Yeah, because they get they try to say too many like cool lines in between he, their strikes. Like, you better think about this again. Oh shit, you should have just shot him because now he slapped your an- your hand away. You and idiot. then I'm gonna I'm gonna change a word, but I'm gonna tell you what he said to Patrick Swayze, which I thought was a weird. Word. He he now remember he he said this. He he dropped the f bomb, but he's like beating up Patrick Swayze and then he whispers in his ear he says I used to have sex with guys like you in prison what? he did say that I didn't hear but that but he said I used to blank guys like you in prison oh gosh I didn't hear that uh, yeah, yeah that's so weird real, real tough talk out there. <laughs> I mean this movie has it all man the 80s is like this is life now but, but then you know you know Patrick Swayze's love interest <laughs> I can't believe he said he that did. we'll have to go back and see it but Patrick of Swayze, course with all the orgies and sex of course all that's happening Patrick Swayze's love interest had already told him to leave town she was already like get out of here and then he was like who's gonna save this town from Brad Wesley and she goes who's gonna save them from you and then the house blows up and then the fight starts so then the guys out there they're fighting right and then the guy evil evil patrick swayze pulls a gun patrick swayze does what rips his throat out (laughs) and then throws him into the lake 
And at the right about the time the doctor sees him and she comes running down and then she flips the guy over and sees that Patrick Swayze had ripped his throat out. <laughs> <laughs> and she's pretty freaked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, and uh, so that's the cool thing about this movie is everyone played it really straight, even though they're doing ridiculous things. Yeah, and the very end of the movie, of course, the town rebels and wins, and they beat the guy, and then the cops show up. Every there's just thirty men dead all around them. Yeah, the cops show up and they go, "What's going on in here?" And then <laughs> and then one guy goes, "I didn't see nothing." Do you see anything? And then the next guy's like, "I didn't see nothing." And then they just keep doing that, and apparently. If you say, I didn't see nothing, then it's fine. The one guy was like, a bear fell on me. Yeah, and then they laugh, and and then Patrick Swayze. It's so implausible that the cops would be like, well, they got blood all over their hands, and there's a few dead men all around, but they didn't see anything, so I guess the case is closed. Yeah, but they took, they rounded up all the guns first, so mm-hmm. no one had guns in their hands. So they were like, I didn't see nothing. And uh, so that's Roadhouse. Ugh, great movie. A great American classic that... Yes. Uh, that I behoove you to see if you have not. Yeah, we got a few minutes here. Uh, let's talk about some of your favorite Thanksgiving dishes. Well, you know, Thanksgiving, di- I mean, you got the turkey. Yeah, I mean, this is what I like to do. I like to get a little turkey, a little dressing, not stuffing. Stuffing and dressing are different. I like a little dressing. And I like to put some gravy, try to get some white gravy put on that dressing and on the turkey. And then I like a little cranberry sauce. What's dressing then if it's not stuffing? It's a, it's a similar st- type of thing, but it's it's much different. I mean, it's a – I don't know. I don't know how, how to tell you the difference, but I've had stuffing before where people go, this is stuffing, and it's not as good as dressing. Well, stuffing's delicious, which I think of as bread that's stuck inside the turkey. When we go to my Thanksgiving this year, see, that's not what dressing is. Dressing is cooked in a pan all its own. Oh, okay. So I'll show you dressing, and and then you have uh, cranberry sauce. Uh-huh. And then I like to get some type of casserole, whether it be green bean casserole, broccoli casserole, sweet potato casserole. Yeah. I like to put that on there. Um, I like um, – what's some other things? Well, let, you, tell, you, you say your dish and I'll say my dish. I like uh, – yeah, I mean I like potatoes. I like squash. I like any of those things that I can find. I like to pile that up real high. Do you – on your first plate, is it a lot of food or do you kind of like pace yourself because you're going to come back? No, I go hard – First plate. Yeah. And then and then my second – I can't – used to when I was fatter, I could do multiple plates pretty easy. But now I'm one plate, I'm pretty done. So what I like to do, pile it up pretty high, one plate, and then go back for the highlights afterwards. I'll go back for a little turkey, little more dressing, little more cranberry sauce. Whatever caught plate. your tastes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm I like turkey, but I don't love turkey. So I usually only get like a a a, you gotta a, get pe- that, you gotta, a piece or two of turkey. You gotta get that deep fried turkey. Listen, I'm gonna tell you how I eat turkey. Okay. Okay. I'm a grown woman. I know how to eat my turkey, and I know how to eat my Thanksgiving. Um. So I get about two slabs of turkey. <laughs> I get two slabs of turkey, dark meat. I'm not playing around with the white meat. That's gross. Um, I will get some stuffing as I know it as bread crumbs that's inside the turkey body. And I get some of that cause that's delicious. And I probably won't do gravy. I don't like gravy. Now in Canada, we have dark gravy. You guys do some sort of white gravy down here, which I'm not familiar with. And I stay away from, I also don't like cranberry. I've never liked cranberries ever in any iteration of cranberry. I don't understand why so many people like it. It's sour to me. It's bitter. 
I don't understand. I don't understand why people like cranberries. It's don't a, finish the, don't, don't answer the question. Cause I'm almost on my plate and I'm getting hungry. Just talking about it. And then I'll get a casserole. I'm all about the casserole. So, uh, maybe like a cheese broccoli casserole. I'll get a little bit of, um, some kind of cheesy potato casserole. You got some mac and cheese in there. It's going to be on my plate. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a standard. Um, and then I'll, I'll do some, some vegetables, you know, just round it out, get a little bit of color on the plate. You know, get a little bit of carrot. Some of those buttery carrots can be good. Um, and then that's it, really. Well, this is what I'll get a roll too. Treat I myself like some, some bread and some but butter. This is what you want to do. Like when you when you you get a fork, you want to get a little bit of turkey. You want to get a little bit of dressing, a little bit of cranberry sauce. No, Dustin. No, 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 no. Because that bitterness, that tartness that you taste in the cranberry sauce, when blended with the saltiness of the the turkey and the dressing, it really brings it out. It really pops. It's really like, it makes it pop. Well, I don't care for it, Dusty. Almost like a palate cleanser. Mm. Well, I don't need the palate cleanser. You know, I want I want the food head on, and I don't want any bitterness. I think... And I don't care for it, and I won't eat it. Yeah. I think and that's how it is. I've I, never eaten cranberry sauce, and I, behold, I, I, you know, I stand to it. Well, maybe that's the problem, is that you've never eaten it, and you don't know what you're missing. No, I have eaten it, and I don't care for it. And that's the truth. And you know it to be true. Well, oh, oh, you know what? One thing, that, two things are left out. Two things. First, deviled eggs. Love, oh, yeah. Love deviled eggs. Oh, yeah. I get one. And for dessert, the finale at my Thanksgiving, banana pudding. Yeah, you're going to get, I, I mean, I'm going to do multiple desserts is the thing. Is I'm going to get banana pudding. I'm going to get some kind of pie, it, it, sweet potato pie perhaps because sometimes they even have a sweet potato just regular dish and you're like how is this not a dessert sweet potato casserole it's just sweet and they got a little whipped cream on it and and marshmallows and you're like this is a dessert but i'm eating it in my first course so you know i'll go back for that just as a dessert but nothing nothing beats a good sleigh family banana pudding oh that is a true Southern dish, too. The, That's the, not something I'd had until honestly, I come down here. Honestly, uh, and I think that you'll agree with me, but the only thing that I've even found close that compares to my family's banana pudding is Hattie B's banana pudding. Uh-huh. Hattie B's has a delicious banana pudding. I mean, it is a real treat to have Thanksgiving in the South, because if anybody knows how to just cook up some real tasty food, it's a bunch of Southern people. Yeah. I mean, they're not trying to... They're not trying to get you thin. They're trying to get you full. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a wild time. Yes, it is. It's delicious. And I'm looking forward to that. And that's tomorrow for us. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I uh, know. Well, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh and uh We'll be riding wild. And we're having a good time. We're gonna go start our day. We got a show tonight at Zany's. Come see us. 7 o'clock. Zanies. Uh, also, I forgot to say, I got into Laugh Fest uh, in February. I'll be talking more about this as it goes on, but I'll be in Grand Rapids at Dr. Grin's doing the Clean Comedy Showcase with some other very funny people. That'll be in February. Laugh Fest. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. We're having a good time. One's from the trailer park. One's from the farm. Rings on their fingers. No babies on their arms. Comics with stories from the road. 
love 